Welcome to the 30-second timeout edition of the Elevation Basketball Podcast. During these 30-second timeout editions, we will be talking to coaches from all over the country to see how things are going in their area. So sit back and enjoy these short and candid conversations, and thank you for listening to the Elevation Basketball Podcast. And welcome back to the Elevation Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Carver, and today I welcome in University of North Carolina Asheville head women's basketball coach, Honey Brown, to the show. Coach, so glad to have you today. Appreciate you stopping by. I know you're in a – are you still in COVID shutdown right now? Are y'all in there? Yeah, thanks, thanks Brad, for having me on. We are um, hopefully in our last bit of pause. It's, it's kind of a, They call it a pause because you're not – I mean, you're shut down in some capacities, and it just really depends on your program and, and what your protocols are. Um, but we've had uh, <clears throat> we had a couple of setbacks within the program as far as a couple of positive cases, which weren't always players, but just to keep it um, with where they felt like it wasn't going to spread but within the program. And just to, again, be good stewards and ambassadors of what we're doing, you know, you, you might need to take a pause and just step back and make sure it's not, you know, we think it was something for people being home at Christmas break and it was that, you know, they brought it and it wasn't passed around within the team. And that's what it's showing right now. But, um, you know, we had a, a little setback and actually played with eight players uh, for our Wood game um, and won both of those games. So great, uh, great. That's a good way to be. <laughs> yeah, to come together. And we called ourselves the great eight for a little bit and practiced uh, with that little group for about an hour and then played two games. Um, but, you know, it is the right thing to do. It's, the, you know, you got to err on the side of safety and health and, Every time we go into a family situation recruiting these young ladies, and one of the first things I said to the players when I took over the program is, you know, I'm going to love them, and their safety and health is always uh, paramount. And, you know, if you get COVID, there's so many protocols in a return-to-play situation. You're much safer shutting down for a few days than you are taking the risk of getting it because, one, it's, you know, a deadly virus, as we all know, but also because of some of the other return-to-play protocols. And, And you could even be out for the year and it's just say it's just better to err on the side of safety I think absolutely before we get into the meat and potatoes of of how that looks and how it works let's back up just a little bit and maybe uh, tell folks how you got to be the head women's basketball coach at uh, UNCA so uh, this is quite the journey I'm sure uh, but I know you've been here for a, a number of years as an assistant coach, uh, and then the uh, the the awesome opportunity came to be the head coach. So I'm glad you're there. I'm glad you're sitting in that seat. So that's that's really cool. So talk to us about your journey. Thanks, Brian. I um you know gosh it's been I, I was a high school coach like like you like you and and several other folks out there and got the opportunity to get into college, which was a blessing and um, was I able to coach a few places. But um, I knew Brenda from. Uh, being on the road and and she um, actually worked for Amanda Butler and Amanda Butler who's at Clemson is one of my good friends she and I grew up together actually in Tennessee and so I knew Brenda from before and of course knew her on the road recruiting and just being around her a little bit so when she was looking at this job I wanted to get back uh, this direction because I was in St. Louis at the time and um, I thought it would be a good fit and I think she did as well so I got hired on and helped her rebuild the program and you know just put in a lot of sweat blood sweat tears as as you can imagine and was able to win a couple of championships with with her and run her up for another one and just you know felt like we did a really good a good thing here and then she decided to uh, step away and move to Virginia with her husband as he's pursuing a PhD you know it it was bittersweet the day she called because it was um she and I sat down and she was, you know, it's, it's a, it's a truck of emotions, as you can imagine. I can only imagine. 
one of your best friends, your mentors, you know, your boss is there stepping away. And so you're like, okay, you know, you're, you're happy, sad, you know, all, yeah, these all rolled up in like, well, yeah, I, I don't have a job. I mean, you know, what? <laughs> and, um, and so then she's, you know, talking to me about that, you know, I was, she felt like I was ready and that she felt like the um, administration would want to have a conversation with me about possibly taking over the program. And so it was a great conversation. It's funny. She and I've had those conversations before about, you know, d- different things about head coaching or that I was ready or that, you know, I could, I could run a program. And so it just came, I don't, I don't want to say sooner, but I wasn't, if you know, Brenda, you know that she can possibly step away from basketball at some point or move on, but you also didn't know necessarily know it would be then. And so it was, you know, it was a blessing to get that opportunity. But like I said, that day was a, was a ball of emotion, as you can imagine. Oh yeah. And it, I agree with what you're saying hundred percent. I can only put myself in your situation to think on one hand, I'm extremely happy for this person who I love dearly, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I, I don't have a job. So what am I going to do? How's this going to play out? So <laughs> yep. yeah, I get that. That's, that's tough. But you know, from, from my perspective as an athletic director, uh, I've always appreciated that about uh, Janet, how she kind of reaches in a lot of times, you know, with Nick, when, when uh, coach beaten boss resigned or retired, I guess a better way to say that uh, she reached in and let Nick take, take over the job. He'd been there for a number of years in assistant coach. Uh, and then she did the same thing with the women's program. And that just speaks volumes to, to the, what y'all do there at UNCA and the, and the type of program y'all run from an athletic standpoint. And, and, and then most specifically to the basketball program, which I'm fond of uh, highly of both sides. I, I love it over there. I think it's great. And you guys do a tremendous job. So I was very excited for you to get that job. I thought it was really cool. Uh, last thing I want to do is have to go, well, okay, well, who's this person? And they came from, <laughs> you know, uh, who knows to get yeah. the job. So that, that's, uh, that's really cool. So I appreciate it. And good luck to you on all that. So. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's familiarity for sure. It's like, I tell people I was Brenda, other people said I was on an eight year interview because I was, a, <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's one way to look at it. But yeah. you also, you know, you, there's some familiarity from a standpoint of when you got hired, like I, I know, I know the people, it, you right. know, staff were coming in and didn't know people, but it was for me, coming in, like you said, already knew high school coaches, already know, you know, where the Justice Center is, already know yep. those things. And so that, that. Yeah. You knew how to catacomb your way from the yeah. <laughs> over to Justice without getting lost. Right, <laughs> right, right. So, it, you know, there's some, there's some pluses in uh, taking over a program that you're familiar with, for sure. Absolutely. And uh, so you had mentioned that there that you and Brenda had, had those conversations. And uh, before I kind of get into like what you did to prep yourself for the job, uh, you had mentioned like you always kind of knew if you knew Brenda. I've known Brenda since she was in high school. Uh, she was one of the toughest people I've ever been around. <laughs> it didn't matter, male, female, bulldog. It didn't matter. Yes. She yes. is tough. Uh, yes. And I have I have long thought I was shocked to say the least. I thought she would leave. I did at some point in time, but I never thought it would be just to do no basketball. Uh, and I figured yeah. she'd be destined for a Power Five job somewhere down the road, somewhere. So yeah, uh, kind of shocking there. Well, she, you know, she, has got a passion for, for people and for that, this, uh, demographic, that, this age group. And I, that, um, you know, she probably will get back into basketball at some point, in my opinion, maybe not, I don't know. And, and she didn't, you know, it was a hard decision for her to leave and to step away. And it wasn't something that, you know, she just did off, off of a whim and, you know, her, and her husband considered them living apart and, you know, her still coaching here and all of those things. But, I think she did feel like that I would have a legit shot at getting the job. And I think she felt like she was going to leave it in good hands for one. Two, it was one of those things that when I said that about knowing her is that she loves basketball. Don't get me wrong. Like you said, she's a competitor, 
But I also think that it wasn't um, driving every thing in her in her mind and in her vision for her life. Right. And I think that, you know, it's not one of those things that you could take it or leave it, but Brenda can excel and still impact folks without necessarily having to be a basketball coach. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think hopefully all of us have that in our um in our in our being that we could do that as well. I, I don't know if I can see myself doing anything besides <laughs> basketball coach. Um, but she, you know, like I said, we've had numerous conversations and you know, it's not something that she felt like she has to do her entire life. And so everybody's wired differently when it comes to that. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I get asked sometimes, why are you doing those podcasts? Especially my wife, she don't understand them at all. <laughs> but I, I thought, well, for exactly what you just said, I I, mm-hmm. I don't know that I can coach for the rest of my life. But at the same token, I love the game, and and this keeps mm-hmm. me on some level connected to it, and I and I have a passion for it. So go for it. Yeah, <laughs> try for it, sure. You know? So it's yeah, been, it's been great. Um, one of the things that really intrigues me about situations like yours, where you were the assistant there for a number of years, and you take over the head job, is like I know online you you guys work your tail ends off. I get it. Uh, and Brenda and you guys, are probably the most energetic staff. I don't think I've ever met one that was as energetic and passionate. So that tells you the work that you put in. But mm-hmm. how much did you ever really think about during those years? Okay, so if she ever leaves or if mm-hmm. I go get another job, this is what I need to be able to do. I'm ready to go be a head coach. Did you put any thought process into any of that? You know what? I don't I don't think so at first, Brian, to be honest. I, I'm one of those people that, you know, grow where you're where you're planted and just try to be the best you can be. And, and those first few years, especially, you know, we were just trying to rebuild. I was just trying to get us, you know, from a recruiting and from a culture standpoint and all those things, you were just trying to get that right. And then as that started to, you know, get better and we won championships, then then maybe you're starting to, to, to think about things. You know, I'd gotten a few phone calls from folks and did some phone interviews. Um, but just wasn't 100% sure that that was the right calling for me, not necessarily from a head coaching perspective, but just wanting to go into the right situation that I felt like was the, the right thing. And the same thing, even looking for other assistant jobs, like, you know, I wasn't doing that either. I, I guess I'm one of those people, I'm loyal to a fault. At, at <laughs> um, I get that. But yeah, but also that. just, I also, you know, I did start doing a few things as far as going to some, um, some conferences and, and talking to some other folks about, how they transitioned from assistant to head coach or, you know, what they did or just getting some things maybe in place in my mind, but I still was not, you know, some people have these plans. Okay. In two years, I want to be here and three years, I want to be here and all that's great. And that's great for some people. It's just not how I operate necessarily. I I guess I'm one of those that I think the right door opens for the right reasons. And, um, you know, then you just got to be smart enough to walk, walk, walk through it. But I, you know, I do think you're always preparing because if, if you're always trying to get better, you're always preparing. And I do think point. enjoy doing that. Like I enjoy learning the game. I enjoy learning other people's um, styles of play. I enjoy other ways to do things. Brenda was big into learning about different types of leadership, or ways that you can motivate your kids. And so by working under her, we were already doing some of those things and she gave me a lot of responsibility. So I felt like I wasn't I wasn't the head coach by any means, but I was able to say a lot and do a lot in the program to where maybe the transition was easier. I don't know. It's hard to compare. You're like you don't want to right. compare yourself to somebody else, but it's um, it definitely helped. I know that. This is a statement I've I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing to say what I'm getting ready to say on my part. As being athletic director for 18 years now, I've seen a lot of coaches come and go <laughs> at our high school, mm-hmm. and I've yeah. hired some new ones, and I've hired some guys that are or gals and girls that are 
uh, that are maybe veteranists, if you would say that. I've been doing it for a long time. But I always tell those, those, those newer head coaches, you're never ready to be a head coach until you are one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's always things that came up when you became a head coach that you never knew about, that you thought, yeah. oh, I wish I'd have known that ahead of time. Well, so what's been <laughs> the biggest challenge? What's been the biggest thing you've learned since you became the head coach? I'd say the amount of decisions daily that you're making. Um, I think you, I know that. And like I said, I made decisions and, and Brenda gave me a lot of leeway to do certain things. Um, I think I was one that gave a lot of suggestions. And I think as assistants, you, you want to be able to do that and not and have a, you know, have thick skin because she's not going to take or they're not going to take every suggestion. But it's your job to give the suggestions at the, t- at the time. Sometimes your suggestions were only in things that I was responsible for. So like if I was responsible for like academics or the defense or whatever, I was giving suggestions on those things. Um, so now in the head coaching role, you know, you make a lot of decisions, but you're, you're making even more than I even maybe anticipated or, you know, cause again, you're looking at every facet of the program and also managing staff and all the players and not again, not that you're not already doing that, but I think that piece too, like, you know, that's coming, but you don't really know it until you do it. And I think exactly. that's the other piece, but the amount of decisions I think that you make as a college coach daily, cause you're talking about um, not just your own players, but your staff and you're talking about, you know, boosters and then you're talking about uh, scheduling and, and, and you're talking about recruiting so you're not just it's not just your own players but every facet and then future players so that that's the piece I think um, that even if somebody tells you you don't know till you've been doing it exactly and coach Morell's been great too he's you know giving me advice along the way or I've asked him things or he's given me suggestions about things that he did as a first year head coach moving from you know as an assistant to a head coach and so he's been He's been great because he's only three years removed from what I was doing. Exactly. He's, you know, he's got, he's been giving me some good feedback for sure. Um, you know, you get into those situations and it's like, sometimes I guess the best way for me to say it is you were involved in those decisions, but they, they were essentially Brenda's decisions. Even uh-huh, though they were yours. Right. Now those decisions are clearly <laughs> yours. Uh, yep. and, the, and the and the the stamp of the program is yours now. So mm-hmm. uh, even when one of your assistants make a decision, they didn't really make the decision. Honey Brown made that decision. Uh, I told them it was okay to make their decision, and still it go like you said, it comes back to me. And everybody always says that it's funny because, and I would would say this as an assistant, like the you know it doesn't say win loss for Honey Brown, Andre, your you know your, your exactly. sister. It's me or it's whoever, and that. No, you know that going into it. And I think that's the other piece is, you know, you know, there's pressure and I'm a competitive person. And I don't know if anybody could put more pressure on themselves than me anyway, just because of how I'm wired. That's the other piece. I mean, you know, you you don't you don't know the pressure that's involved in some of those things until you've done it, you know, an end of the game situation or when to call a timeout or again, you've been given those suggestions you know, you're the one having to decide uh, certain things, not just in game, but in practice, even, um, you know, Brenda gave me a lot of leeway, like, hey, what do you want us to do? What do you want to do with the guards? Or what do you want to do with the defense? But now, you know, I'm structuring the whole thing. And then if practice went well, then you're, oh, yeah, I'm a genius. And then, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, is it the players or is it the ding right. dong right here? You know, it's, 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 it's a combination of both that you're always evaluating, I think. I, I love what you said there a minute ago. It's like, you know, I'm, I've thought about these decisions. But, so you're sitting there on, in, on the bench those years as an assistant coach. And, and I would say 99% of the time you probably agreed with everything Brenda was deciding. But you're mm-hmm. sitting there and you're probably like, oh, I probably would have called timeout right there. Or I don't right. know if I would have called a timeout right there. Right. I would have subbed so-and-so in, but, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Now you can make those decisions. And it's yeah. like changes yeah. the whole perspective of how you look at making those decisions because 
you well, don't get a chance to second guess yourself a lot of times. No, no, and 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 same thing, I guess, because I'm not remo- very far removed, of course, being an assistant. So asking those guys, you know, questions or hey, give me suggestions, because again, I was used to you know kind of firing some things off to her, and so I think they've really evolved uh, from the beginning of the year to you know what I want or being able to 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 say certain things because again I'm not you know I'm only a few months removed from being an assistant it's different when you've you know, been a head coach for a long time and then you forget to how to be an assistant you uh, know that's the other part I'm gonna ask you two questions that one's probably the easy side of the coin the other one's the more, maybe mm-hmm. the more difficult but in terms of you taking the new seat and bumping over a chair and now you're the head coach, what are the, what are the similarities that you made sure that carried over uh, from when uh, coach mock was there? Now you've taken over, you wanted to make sure that we still do these things. I think our hashtag that we've been, our mantra of our team is for each other. And that was something, you know, people can say, well, that was her, that was you guys then. Well, no, that's just us. I mean, you know, I think the love of our program, the culture of our program, um, us having fun, I think all those pieces are important because I think that's who I am as well. And it's, um, you know, it works and it's worked for us. And we were here building it and then success. And so I, those are the cornerstones, I think, of who we are and that we'll continue to be. Um, not sacrificing a great player for a great person. And I think that's the other piece in recruiting and, and other things that we look at is, you know, we want to know them as people and, we don't always make quick decisions as far as offers or things like that, just because we want to make sure it's the right fit in a lot of ways. And it doesn't mean you always get it hundred percent, right. It's just the way that we feel like has worked. Um, you know, Brenda was really meticulous. We were really big with our scouting and I think that, and I enjoy scouting a lot. So I think that's something that's definitely a carryover. Um, Brenda was really good offensively and strategically on how to get certain people, certain shots. And so I've, you know, tried to, carry on with some of, of those pieces as well. Um, but yeah, there's certain things that, you know, the intensity, some of those things, that's always going to be there because she and I were cut from the same cloth um, from that per- perspective a little bit where it's going to be intense, but you're also going to have some fun out there as well. Absolutely. I, I will tell you as a, as a 20 year head coach at the high school level. Now I'm a little jealous of the energy and passion that y'all coached with, man. Y'all are all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I used to tell Brenda and and, I'll, and Coach Fisher at Campbell both. The, I love it when the two of them play because they're going to wear out the sideline. <laughs> they're running all over the place. They run a that going marathon yeah. for the ball game. So uh, yeah, it's it's funny the hands and the defensive slides. Yeah, and you do and move around. And I found myself uh, being that crazy maniac on the sideline some, and uh, and sometimes being a little more subdued. And you know, Brenda right. did on the game and what she felt like the players needed um, at right. the. T- the energy of the game, I think. Um, but she was she was good, I think, at mastering both. And, of course, I'm still working on those pieces. And, and the flip side of that coin, and, and I don't want to make it – I'm going to say this out publicly, is, is I ask this question, it almost has a negative connotation. That's not it. You have to put your stamp on the program. It has to be Honey Brown's program. It can't be mm-hmm. Honey Brown running Brenda Mock's program. It, it's got to mm-hmm. be yours. So what are some things that you wanted to change or that you've done differently? And that doesn't mean that things were going wrong or bad before, but you felt yeah. like this is what we need to change because it's me and I got to do this my way and, and different things. What's what's some things you changed a little bit? Yeah, I think um, just our pace a little bit and not because, again, we everything was slowed down, but I think because of um, how we ran some of our offense, our pace sometimes – um, I think our pace is a little bit different and maybe even our pace in practice. And again, it's not because anything was wrong with that, but I'm, I'm one of, you know, let, let's really get drill to drill and get moving. And, and, and especially early in the year when you're not doing as much scouting. Um, so maybe that a little bit, um, but pace probably, 
maybe our three-point shooting, but to be honest, that's not necessarily um, not where we were going in our program in general. It's just who we had as personnel and what we were right. running offensively. But our first, well, I'd say those years we, where we uh, won the championship, we had several players that could shoot the three, and we recruited towards that again. So I'm probably we're probably spreading the floor and shooting the three more, and people may be like, well, that's more of my style, and it probably is. Um, and, and it is a little bit from a from a movement, but you know we're shooting maybe a little bit more than we have in the past. But that's also the type of players that we had recruited and we have here. And I'm just trying to find ways to get them shots. Um, and I probably we're, we might be a little bit more aggressive defensively in certain ways. Again, certain years we were we pressed and we did some certain things. But I think I've picked up a few, a few things, or maybe take. I don't want to say chances, but maybe, you know, change defenses or do a few things maybe a little bit more than she did. It goes back to those suggestions and things that, right. you, you know, and it, it could have been something sometimes Brenda would do it and sometimes not. And then so now as a head coach, you know, if I think we should change something or I want to, you know, throw a press on, then um, I may do it maybe and not second. I don't want to say second guess, but be, be willing to take that chance maybe right. a little bit more than, than she did in, at certain times um, early in my career now in preparation for this podcast, it's really where this kind of the idea was born for me was I went around and I interviewed and talked to a lot of coaches, just trying to learn stuff and trying to figure out how they tick. And, and, you know, mm -hmm. I interviewed, I kind of made a list of people that I felt like had successful high school programs. And I interviewed a lot of them. And uh, there were several of them that were in a very similar situation to you where they were the assistant coach for a long time at a particular school. And then they became the head coach there. And I asked mm -hmm. all of them this same question. I want to ask you, and you're you've yours with the pandemic and everything, and, and you've only played a small number of games at this point. It might not have happened yet, uh, but has there been a moment where you can clearly identify and look back to and point to and say that's when the program officially became mine? That that demarcation point right there, that is my program now. I would say almost even our first day of uh, workouts, even in July, when we only had even a small group there, just because we did some things that were the same, but I did some things differently. And even a few of the players after the first few workouts or first few weeks were like, hey, we're picking up what you're putting down, like we're feeling it. And I think that that when when I thought I was doing things, not necessarily, again, like you said, totally different. Look, we were very successful. I'm I'm a dumb. I'm trying to reinvent the wheel at this exactly. point. Exactly. And, and I ain't. Mm -hmm. But I'm also maybe the the lingo or the or, or certain things are a little bit different when I felt that way. And then you're getting feedback from some of your seniors or some of your other kids. And they're saying that to you. I think that was the moment that I was like, okay, they, they, they feel me and they feel where we're going and what we're doing. And I think that was it. Um, the other moment I would say is probably our first, you know, like team practice or team, you know, dynamic and getting together. Cause again, it's me saying everything, not, I want to say everything in practice, but it's my voice and, you know, starting the huddles or doing whatever. I think that's, you know, kind of a signature moment as well when you know that, you know, again, Brenda was able, she was very gracious and giving me a lot of leeway to say a lot in practice, but it's still different when you're the one deciding certain things. And um, I think that was another signature moment for me in September. When you've been an assistant for a number of years and you've gotten, have a certain relationship with your players, mm -hmm. uh, I hate to say it like this. It's so it's too much of a cliche, but like nine times out of 10, the assistant is the good cop and the head coach <laughs> is the bad cop. Uh, so, you know, your, your players viewed you a certain way when mm -hmm. you were you know, the assistant coach, they maybe leaned on you for advice. Like, why is coach always on me? Or, you know, mm -hmm. why is she, why is she benching me for this game? I don't get it. And you're kind mm -hmm. of that rub on, I put my arm in, you'll be all right, honey. And, well, yeah. No pun intended, honey. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
now that has your role changed? I mean, have you have you is it felt a little awkward that, that your role changed with some of your players individually? You know, some days maybe, but you know, I want the players to have a close relationship with our assistants. And so, you know, I've kind of, I don't want to say I've pushed that, but we do some things intentionally for our assistants to be with some of our players in small groups. Um, I was always pretty intense and they heard me a lot in practice and getting on their rear end. So I'm not sure if I, if I was a uh, good cop, bad cop, it was, probably, you know, <laughs> it might've been bad cop, bad cop. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy maniac. And then the other maniac over there sometimes, but it was, um, so Don't I think, tell me Andre was the verse, voice of reason. And yeah, <laughs> in the it's room. funny. He was at times, I think yeah. he's got that empathetic uh, gene a little more at times. Mm-hmm. I, I think from that perspective, of course, there's always that dynamic. And I, and I understood that and, and still learning it that now that you've shifted over, some kids aren't going to be as comfortable coming to you first as they were before, you know, texting you first or doing whatever. Some of them are already so comfortable, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I think that's the piece that like they like you said, they might come to you first and then you then I've got to encourage them. No, go tell Coach Mock or no. OK, or, you know, whatever. And so getting used to maybe not hearing something first, you know, or, or an assistant saying, hey, so and so needs this, you know, reach out to them. Um, so I think that's the piece of getting used to that, that because right. you're the coach, there's a little bit more not intimidation, but it's just you're the head coach. And exactly. so. It's not as easy sometimes just to go to the head coach. It's always easier a lot of times to go to the assistant. Well, and like you said before, as the head coach, you have a lot on your plate now that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Boosters, uh, things that you've got to go represent the program and, mm-hmm. you know, podcasts, interviews, <laughs> things of that nature. Uh, so yeah, you know, your, your, your time is much more dedicated to a lot of things. So they've mm-hmm. got to have that relationship with the assistant coach. But, but like I said before, you were that assistant coach for mm-hmm. them. Now you're the head coach. So, uh, that can be kind of tough, I would imagine. Yeah, and I think they, you know, they know it's open door and they know that anytime they need to text or call or whatever, that that we're there, or I'm there for them. And I, th- I know they know that. So it's it's not something I think that they don't know that they can't come to me or, or don't do that first. Um, I think that's what's important is that just because they're not, don't take it personal, but also right. know that a lot of times they still are reaching out to, to me for different things. And I've tried to take that from Brenda as well as, you know, having individual meetings or individual Zooms or doing some things with them in small groups just to continue to build that relationship. So there's not that intimidation factor or that they realize I'm trying to grow them as people, not just as players. And again, that's a big thing of what, you know, Brenda did and I want to continue to do that there's, you know, so much bigger things out there than what we're about than just basketball. And basketball, huge part, but they're also students and they're also young ladies that are, you know, growing and learning how to be away from their parents and, you know, figuring out their next steps in life and all of that. And and we're here to help bridge that gap and mentor them along the way. And that's a big piece of why I'm in college athletics as well is because of that. I can only imagine a scenario that's worse one scenario that's worse than the situation you inherited, meaning this, you were a new head coach Mm-hmm. And right when it all kind of goes down, we're in the middle of a pandemic and you can't <laughs> recruit and you can't put your hands on your kids and you can't really do a whole lot. And then when you do, it's so restricted and mm-hmm. it's just been crazy. So, mm-hmm. you know, talk about the challenges of taking over a new program, well, not a new program, but taking over the program in the middle of this crazy world we live in right now. Yeah, I think you kind of hit it on the head is that, you know, one of the things you want to be able to do is when you take over a program is, you know, love on your kids and hug on them and, you know, encourage them and and work with them. And not being able to do that, I think, was was very difficult. I think, like you said, 
I had one less challenge because I was new, but I wasn't coming to a new program. And that was the scenario I referred to. It might've been a little worse. I couldn't imagine. I recruited all those. Yeah. I recruited all those kids. So I think that's the piece. I think just, you know, continuing to build their trust and getting them to understand that again, I was going to be the same person and be consistent with them and, and still love them and still help them every way I can. Um, but also, you know, try to get them better with basketball. I think the other piece is because we lost some good players last year and then we had a couple of kids transfer, I think continuing to get them to believe in what we're doing, that we were still going to be okay and that we were going to put together a good program and a good team and put our best foot forward and really get them um, rolling in the right direction. And and you don't know that as a coach, if that's really going to happen, but you've got to make sure that you're, you feel like you're doing things the right way. And then it's my job and our staff's job to, to figure it out and to, and to try to get them there and get them better. And I think that was the next piece is getting that chemistry because we had a lot of players. So you were doing it by zoom. And so figuring <laughs> how do how do you try to build chemistry and build some continuity and build some things um, as a group. And we started that with that, with kind of coming up with our team values and I had them talk about their own and figure out who they were personally and then how they wanted the team to look. And so giving them some ownership of that right away in May and June, I think really helped because, you know, instead of me coming in and saying, we're going to be this and we're going to be that, you know, there's, there's some of that, of course, when it comes to what the basketball is going to look like, but when it comes to our team and our culture, it's them. I mean, we're part of it coaches. And so we had input, but I wanted them to take ownership of that. And so that was our first approach. And I think that helped them build their chemistry or build like, Hey, this is how we're going to build it. We're going to build it from our, with our values first. I think uh, this is just an opinion of mine, and I don't guess there's really any strategic way to go out and figure out whether or not I'm wrong, but I think had they decided to go in a different direction, bring a whole new staff in, they would have set the program back two or three years uh, just because the standpoint of of what we're dealing with right now and and everything going on. There there had to have been some level of comfort uh, from your players to know that, okay, we're good. (laughs) Coach Brown's got it. We're good. So, uh, you know. Yeah, some of them have said that. I mean, you, I was on the Zoom when um, Brenda told them because I had to be done by Zoom as well. And and so, you know, you're, you're telling your team you're no longer the coach by Zoom. And I was on the Zoom with her and, you know, the shock and, you know, sadness on their faces. And then when she said, but the new head coach is on here already. And then, you know, she says, um, and so then they're, you know, some of their faces change, uh, but some of them are still in shock from the first right. state. Um, but I think some of their parents were great with it as well. Cause again, I was involved in the recruiting process and, the, and a lot of them, you know, of course knew me, they reinforced that a little bit as well. Like, Hey, coach Brown, you know, coach Brown, you know, you know, she recruited you. Hey, she's been here. Like, you know, have a little faith, have a little trust that they, they put it in her hands for a reason. And like you said, it was, um, it was a shock for them. And, and like, you, like you mentioned, they were already going through a lot with COVID. Mm-hmm. Then you got this change. And then, so I think me taking over gave them a little bit of stability in all of this. Right. Um, and then with Coach Dre staying as well, that helped. And then Coach Page, who I, who, who played here, or, oh, yeah. I didn't really know, but knew of her a little bit. And mm-hmm. so hired another alum that, you know, right away stepped in with a lot of energy and, and knew the knew me and knew the program, I think helped as well. So just um, personally speaking, from my standpoint, for what it's worth, which I know means nothing, huge hire, huge <laughs> oh, pickup for you guys. That was awesome. Yeah, she was. She was my first recruit. Well, besides, you know, convincing our other players to to stay, she was mm-hmm. some. It's funny because Brenda and I had conversations about Paige even before, like mm-hmm. if somebody else left or whatever. Like she was ready, you know, would she come back? And mm-hmm. um, you know, getting her to come back because again, she was one of the kids that were on the team when we were two and twenty-seven. Right. 
and then ended up winning her championship her senior year. So she's been through it all. And it was, um, and then has followed the pro program. And, you know, I felt like I've been a mentor to her this whole time in her coaching career. So I was aware of what she was doing and her responsibilities at Texas State. So she was a, she was somebody I was excited that was willing to come back and, and join us. Yeah, that's big. That's big. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about how your team's doing currently. I know you've mentioned y'all are in, uh, in a pause right now and you're getting ready to come yeah. out of that. But talk to us about how your team's doing right now. Yeah, we um, from a basketball standpoint, I think we were really starting to hit a stride. I mean, you go home for Christmas. Uh, we had started conference play right before Christmas and we split on the road with High Point and High Point was picked, you know, up there near the top and uh, won our first won the first one there. And then the second game got down early and came back and got it within two. And, you know, uh, again, I think I learned some things as a, as a coach and learned some things about our players that we needed to do better. Um and then had the had the break at Christmas, which I think was needed, and everybody needed to go home. And then came back refreshed and really hit the ground running. And then it ended up we only had eight players, and then we <laughs> two you know two games. And so we were we felt good uh, right before Christmas, and then leading right right after where we were trucking to. So what we hope is that we can you know knock the knock the dust off a little bit and, and pick up where we left off um, if if at all possible. Just to and whether or not the winds you know fall into place, you at least want to continue playing, playing well, or think that you're right. building and playing well. And I was pleased with how um, we were starting to come together with, with some of our chemistry on the floor, but I think our versatility is something I'm happy with. And that's something I talked to the players about back, gosh, even in May and June, like the most flexible team, you're going to have adversity. Who's willing mm -hmm. to up and adapt. And, and a lot of coaches are saying that same thing, but you know, I've been saying it for a while and, and it showed it's hands. Right. We played Longwood, you know, having to play five guards on the floor at one point, wow. whatever it is, and, and and then still be able to find a way to, to win. And, um, you know, and then we're going to have that same lot in other other times this year. And every team probably goes through it because you can have sickness and injury at any point. But you also can have now you're dealing with the COVID piece yeah, on top of the. <laughs> yes. Right. So, you know, you we hope that this is our only pause. I mean, that's the thing. Our players have been very diligent um, adhering to our protocols, really staying, unfortunately, isolated with themselves and right. not being able to do a lot of fun things necessarily, but knowing this is what it takes for us to get through our season and do and, and to stay safe and, and willing to make that sacrifice. And I'm so proud of them for everything that they've been doing to, uh, to do that so far. So again, we're hoping that this is our only pause and that we can move forward through the rest of the season. When you when you pause like this, are the kids able to get in the gym and work and shoot, or are they like literally stuck in their dorm? Yeah, they're stuck in their apartment. We were able to. They're able to go because they're not. They're not. They're, they've tested negative. Um, mm -hmm. They can go run, and so they've been you know running some outside. Um, we got them some exercise bikes so that they sanitize in their apartments, and you know body weight lifts. We've been doing some zooms together of you know some. <laughs> sanity type workouts right. and some, uh, you know, other things. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're really basically doing things on their own. We actually did a zoom this morning, did some scouting, you know, cause you could do so many different things. Um, mm -hmm. Some play review, you know, with a board or whatever. So we're trying to be as creative as we can to stay as um, mentally intense as we can. Right. Our bodies there. Like we did some yoga last night as a group. Um, so, you know, again, it'll be like coming back from Christmas break of trying to, you know, get, get your win back that first. Right. And then, you know, hopefully we'll uh, on Thursday can get it after, after Wednesday, hopefully. And then Thursday kind of pick back up and then, then we play 
if everything goes according to plan, we'll play Friday and Saturday at Charleston Southern. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, what's it been like? And correct me if I'm wrong. I hope I don't think I am, but y'all are doing the bubble little mini bubble format where you played two teams back-to-back days type things. Yeah. So that way it's safer for everybody. It's not necessarily the best, you know, you don't want to, it's a lot on your athletes to go back to back, but right. it, from a safety perspective, you, you test that once during that week. And so then you're, you know, you're clear and then you get there and then you play. So like we're playing Charleston Southern, we play at I think seven o'clock Friday and then you we're playing at five o'clock on uh, Saturday. So you, you have to give at least 22 hours in between the two games. I got you. And so you, you know, so from a scouting standpoint, yeah, you're going to make a few adjustments for the next game. Or, but mm-hmm. you, the Ivy League had done this for a few years, and you would oh, play really? opponents. So I, you would play Friday against one opponent, then drive or you know whatever to the next, and then you would play a different opponent on Saturday. So right. they even had it. But if you've played in any tournaments, it's you know similar. But again, you're right. going to play a different opponent, so it's even harder. This way, you're already your kids are already familiar with who, right. who you just freaking guarded them for forty minutes. <laughs> exactly, you know the you scouting know? report. Hell, you just yeah, lived it. <laughs> yeah, you know the scouting report. Now, there's good coaches in this league, and people make mm-hmm. good investments, and you'll do some things differently. But it's not. Um, it's more of a. I think it's a mental and physical, like being tired, more so mm-hmm. than you know all these different adjustments that are going to happen from a coaching right. point. You know, I think it's driving Ronnie crazy because he's a scout person and adjustment. He's uh, and I love scouting too. And but I knew this going in. I mean, even as coaches, we said, listen, this year is going to be crazy. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, everybody's just got to be willing to do whatever we need to to games and to make it safe. So, that's Um, I don't, uh, I don't have any science to back up what I'm getting ready to say. Just casual observance, uh, watching you know, you guys and the Sun Belt and a lot of these leagues that are playing this way in this format. It seems like whoever wins the game one. You can expect the exact opposite in game two. I haven't seen many. You said you guys went down and won two back-to-back games like that, and that's been the the exception rather than the rule. It seems like that a lot of there's a lot of splits going on there. Yeah, it seems like it. I like you said it, it kind of depends, but it's it's. I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it. I, know. Um, I think that you know you always think whoever wins the first one, the second team is going to be maybe even more desperate because you know they just lost or whatever. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's going to be interesting when it comes down to it on how many splits they're going to end up being. That's true. You know, compared to maybe in a regular season, would somebody if you play in January, you play them again in February, would you would you split then? Right. Or is it going to be a sweep, or is, or the numbers going to look that much different? Um, but yeah, I mean, the goal, you know, we talk about a lot, just be one and oh, just get one and oh. Worry <laughs> we'll about, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, exactly. Uh, yeah, because you don't. I mean, you just you just don't know like mm-hmm. how body's going to respond and how many minutes you're going to get out of certain kids that second game well, well thank god for espn plus because i get to watch a lot of you guys yeah uh, yeah and, but what i have noticed is it seems like that typically there's a team one of the teams that shoots lights out on game one and then in game two they can't throw it in the ocean <laughs> they'll make you know 17 or 18 threes and the next day they make three uh yeah that's so crazy some of that's fatigue and that's some yeah. of it the, um, like we all know as coaches, sometimes, you know, you get rolling and then everybody gets rolling and then mm-hmm. everybody's like struggling. And then all of a sudden everybody's struggling, right. but I, it'll be interesting as um, everybody, like we're in this format. And so will it look different? Cause the players start to get used to it. So will right. that, that change, you know, will it even out a little bit more right. shooting goes. Um, and as but, the players get used to it, cause I, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably only had two or three instances of this so far, right? Yeah, yeah, we've done it twice and because uh, of uh, pause, but yeah, you know, some 
done it three times or whatever, but it's, yeah. So I think as we get further into it, you're going to get used to it. So it might, you know, those numbers might change a little bit. Do you think on some level, this is maybe the future, a glimpse into the future, or is this something that once it's over, it's over? Oh gosh, I don't know. I don't think coaches will want it this way. Um, Players may not either, but I, you know, I, coaches, especially coaches that like to scout or do whatever we would Mm -hmm more prefer you know because we, we, we were on, on a Tuesday Saturday rotation right. our games fell um so I think coaches will want it to go back or at least go back to where there's a day in between not just for scouting, but just for you know rest, rest. And, and because you're gonna you're gonna feel like you're gonna be able to get more out of your your kids yeah. um, but I don't know I mean for because we just don't know what this not just this virus but just in general what people are going to think as far as safety absolutely but, doing this i mean there's a lot of leagues around the country that are doing this back to back but not everybody are playing their normal Mm -hmm. routine so i'm not a right or a wrong way that but our conference just felt like this might be the safest and to be honest one of the more inexpensive ways i can't really say from an athletic director standpoint it's got to save some money yeah save some money and it's a little bit because if you're only having a test once a week i mean testing is expensive so if you had if you played on a tuesday saturday you would have to test more often so it's costing money um so that does you know it does help in some respects so well coach i appreciate your time today i know you're busy and and, and had a, got a lot to get to i'm sure but uh, i just wanted to tell you how much i appreciate you and, and congratulate you on getting the job i thought it was again i think it's great that they did that so um thank you for being on my show today i really do appreciate it and uh good luck well thank you so much brian i appreciate all you do i know you do a lot in the community and uh for your um your your cancer games that you do that the arena is always fun to, to watch the teams play and if i'm not sure if you're going to be able to keep that going but we uh that's the plan yeah <laughs> uh, well, we, know, Jan- janet and uh, and i kind of worked out a, a like a like a handshake contract to get it through 2025 oh that's great so, so we're at least there for a few more years for sure i'm like yeah. you though everything's so up in the air about how we're going to play uh, if we continue to do what we're doing there won't be an event because there won't be a time to play it Right, right. Yeah, well, fingers crossed that happens because that's always a great cause. But thanks so much for all you do. And I'm glad you're doing the podcast. It's always great to get uh, more people, more Western North Carolina, more folks out there uh, hearing about basketball. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate you again and good luck to you. Thank you. Talk to you later. We thank you again for listening to the Elevation Basketball Podcast. Give us a shout out on social media. And we look forward to having you back again for another episode of the Elevation Basketball Podcast.